Hi, everyone, and welcome to Aval Cafe. My name is Brian Hosler, founder of Strong Roots Consulting based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. Hi, everyone. I'm Carolyn Kamen, an independent evaluation consultant working out of Vancouver, BC, coming to you from unceded Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil Nations territory. This podcast is an informal chat on evaluation topics, the kind you might overhear at your favorite coffee shop if your favorite coffee shop were frequented by evaluators. This podcast is for everyone, expert or novice, longtime practitioner, or just starting in the field. Even if you don't identify as an evaluator, as long as you have an interest in evaluation, this podcast is for you. Hi, listeners. We are coming to you this week um, with a guest, Kelly Hannum. Hi, Kelly. Hi, everyone. Kelly is the founder of Aligned Impact, which offers evaluation, coaching, evaluation design and, and implementation and workshops and capacity development. And she has over 20 years experience blending evaluation theory and practice to make the world a measurably better place by clarifying purposes, processes and progress among groups of people. And I love that on Twitter, Kelly, you describe yourself as an evaluator, consultant, introvert, thinker slash doer, hopeful realist, wearer of jewelry your daughter makes, and methodologist that thinks methods shouldn't be center stage. I think that's a a great description of an evaluator. Um, And yeah, is there anything you want to add and introduce yourself to our listeners? I think um, I think that sums it up enough. I think that so folks will sort of get to know me a little bit better if they don't already over the course of the, you know our time together. And as I said, I'm an introvert, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least one other one on this podcast. I'll tell you that. So the introductions are not my time to shine. Typically, <laughs> we can talk about how I hate writing bios, and yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay, but does anyone actually enjoy writing bios? There's got to be someone out there. There's got to be someone. If you if you are one, please contact us at valcafe.podcast at gmail.com. And who knows, maybe we'll invite you onto the show. Um, so Kelly is joining us to talk about a topic that I, I think is really fascinating and also builds on some things we've talked about before, uh, which is evaluation and leadership and evaluation as a leadership competency. Um, and I kind of want to start just by asking... Um, like when we say leadership, what do we mean? Because I figure I feel like that's a word that I hear people use a lot, but I don't always know, you know, what is it conjuring up for them? I mean, what's it conjuring up for me? Right. And I think you are, in fact, I'm sure you're not alone in that. I worked um, for an organization here. I'm, I'm in um, Greensboro, North Carolina in, in the United States. Um, they have offices other places, but it's called the Center for Creative Leadership. And it focuses like exclusively on leadership development, which um, wasn't my first love, but I came to appreciate it by working there. And their idea of leadership um, is that it's the process by which people create direction, alignment, and commitment. Mm. And so, um, you know, there's different kinds of styles and ways people can do that. But the idea is that it's not a characteristic that someone has, like, oh, you're a leader or you're not a leader, <laughs> based on the test we took. Um it's more the, the focus is more on the process of people together doing something and they can choose that by having like a super hierarchical approach or, or not, you know, um, that's sort of up to the group of people involved in whatever it is they're involved in. But I think what's, what's really interesting is you do hear leadership so much now. Like I started um, with the center that I worked at in 1993 Um back when there were typewriters and you know, <laughs> um, we could talk about those artifacts later, but it really wasn't, it was sort of an, an, you know, a small sort of thing then, right. You didn't, it didn't show up on a lot of searches. Um, there weren't a lot of people focused on leadership development. And then over the course of my like 20 years there, it blew up. Like everyone was talking about leadership and everyone was doing leadership development. Even if you could look at what they were doing and you had lots of questions about why is this leadership development? That's what was getting called. Um, which is really kind of fascinating to me how there's been so much more attention, attention on leadership and leadership development in the last, you know, I'd say two decades. That's so interesting to me. I actually, um, this would have been within the last two decades, but so when I was um, a teenager, I started going to a leadership camp um, that was you know, run by motivational. I was basically raised in the woods by motivational speakers. And I feel like this explains <laughs> a lot about me. 
but I like I went there for five years and I and then I was on staff for a couple of years and I still I would I would struggle to tell you kind of what I think leadership is. But I remember mm. when I was at that camp, I really wanted to evaluate it. Yeah. I'd never I I had no idea what evaluation was. I wasn't gonna even learn what evaluation was for like, I don't know, another five or six years. But I really I was coming back to because I was in university at that point doing an, an undergraduate degree in, in psych. And I remember talking to my social psych prof and saying, can you point me at at, lead, at research on leadership that that explains like d- does does leadership training work? Um, does it does it make us better leaders? I I always felt like this camp had a big impact on me, but, but I couldn't explain why or how or if it was just me. Mm-hmm. And I remember my professor he just sort of directed me at kind of like there was the transformational leadership research, but it was very vague and it was very it didn't talk about like how you would create leadership. It just talked about people who were leaders or types of leadership. Right. And I, you know, I searched a little bit, but I kind of gave up. Um, and I'm like, oh, if I if I kept going down that route, maybe I would have ended up in evaluation even sooner, um, knowing now that, oh, that's really what I was trying to do. So to hear that, okay, it wasn't a very big thing for a while. And then just in the last couple of decades, it exploded. Um, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I feel like I have seen it around a lot more. And I thought maybe I just missed it at the time, or maybe at the time it really wasn't present. Probably not as much in, you know, depending on, you know, if it's a couple decades ago, probably not as much in the literature. Um, And I'm just kind of chuckling to myself because like that's like from working in this leadership development place, I was a leadership development evaluator like early, fairly early on. So I was like, oh, we could have been, we could have been colleagues. Um, (laughs) If only we'd met, you know, found each other in the universe. Um, but one, yeah, one of my first books was around evaluating leadership development because it is such a sticky thing in part because people fail to really identify what they're trying to do, <laughs> you know, what, how they define leadership and then, you know, how they're trying to develop it and to what end, right? Because that's the other piece of it is because leadership is not just some sort of random thing that you carry around. Usually there's some sort of thing that it's attached to, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not... Um, it's highly contextual, I guess, is, is, is another way to, just probably a better way to say that. Um, it's not this, this trait that you have in any circumstance. Mm-hmm. At least I don't think so. People argue because people, you know, argue about everything. But um, but it's very contextual. I mean, if you, and if you think about it in terms of creating direction, alignment, commitment with groups of people, like how you do that and who does that and to, to what end, it's going to vary. And so people's abilities are going to be like highlighted or maybe, you know, a little bit more in the background for that. Um, but one thing that's like interesting thing to me, one thing that's like an outcome of leadership development typically um, is self-awareness. And I think that's goes, and that's one of the things I think goes hand in hand, right. With being a good evaluator is being really self-aware. Yeah, that definitely uh, speaks true to me. Um, uh, I was participating in a leadership uh, development program here in Saskatoon, and actually, I think it is at its 20th anniversary now, so it would have started uh, two decades ago. So, um, But uh, I've since participated in that program, I guess, uh, seven years ago now it was. I've been involved as a volunteer and as a mentor for that program and uh, chatting with some of the folks running it. And they say there's always the case where, yeah, the self-awareness piece uh, really comes through strong. There's always at least one person or two who end up like making a career shift as a result of participating in this program because they've had time to kind of step back and see what their strengths are and what their interests are and say, you know what, the the current position I'm in uh, isn't isn't doing it for me based on where I'm at. They don't really advertise that though to uh, to um, potential <laughs> applicants, but uh, <laughs> that seems to be a key outcome. Oh. I have a story about that. I do have a story about that that I think is really funny. My mother participated in a leadership development program. Ooh, it would have been a couple decades ago. Um, and they did, the, the people who ran it um, said to her employers, like, be prepared to lose a percentage of your staff. Mm-hmm. Um for participating in this, they actually did advertise. Not only did she leave her job, she actually left her marriage too. It was really transformative. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing about um, sort of this this leadership development world. And I feel like I worked on a bunch of projects where, you know, developing leadership or being, bringing out people's leadership has been one of the intended outcomes. And and every time I'm like, so how are we how are we defining that? And it's always been a struggle to even kind of narrow in on on what we mean. Um, and we almost end up def- with one project we sort of defined it emergently in terms of looking at like what what did it look like in the room, what did we actually see, and what were we expecting to see. Um, and sometimes what we started to look at was less 
uh, individual leadership, like we might have expected, you know, one person taking charge, we didn't see things like that, or, or things we might have stereotypes, we might have associated with leadership. But we did see things like um, people collectively um, organizing and leading themselves, mm-hmm. um, and uh, advocating for themselves, um, taking responsibility and ownership for the space. And we kind of had a, this discussion of like, are those things leadership? Is that what we mean? Like where, where are the boundaries around this concept? You know, it's, it's interesting because it is, it's a pretty flexible term really, you know, like there's definitions, but most of the definitions that work well are, are, are pretty flexible and can apply. And so I think, you know, if you're from an evaluation standpoint, if you're looking at a leadership development program and evaluating it, then it's, you know, like any program, really, um, you kind of have to, to nail down, like, what, what does this really mean? What are we really trying to do? How do we know we were doing it? And what's our larger goal? Um, Cause it, you know, like many, if not most things is, you, you know, it's, it's not what, maybe what you think it is. You have to get different perspectives on it and see that they agree. Um, like as early, you know, early in my career, it was one of the most painful things to go into a, you know, go in late as the evaluator once things have already been rolling for a while and say, okay, so I'm, you know, let's, I'm, you know, going to see if this is working the way you, you know, want it to work or whatever. Um, so let's talk about, you know, why are you doing this? What do you hope will be different because of this? What do you know, what would, what would success look like? You know, those types of questions. And then it would become blatantly clear that the things they were doing were not going to get them where they wanted to go because they just sort of made a whole lot of assumptions about what leadership development was supposed to do and what leadership was supposed to do. And it just really wasn't connected back into the design work. Um, which at the time, you know, you know, people would just invite evaluators in, you know, after things were done or close to after things were done, right? Um, and I think that's something that's changed over the years too in a positive direction that, that I think more people realize, oh, we need to bring someone with some evaluation skills or some evaluation savvy in earlier because they ask really good questions about what we're trying to do and how we would know, you know, and then it also helps, you um, bring out the conversation among different groups of people to realize, oh, right, what I think this is going to do is not at all what you think this is going to do. And we should probably figure that out before we roll with this, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. So it's different some of those assumptions and or just bigger questions. And actually, one thing that comes to my mind is what is the difference between leadership development and management management skills development? I imagine there's probably good overlap between the two, but I think if you ask someone, is there a difference between being a good manager and being a good leader? We probably, they would say, yes, there's, there's, you may be a good manager, but not a good leader, possibly vice versa as well. So I imagine that would be kind of a, a key delineator, key concept to talk about. Absolutely. And that is a, a term, or those two terms do get, interchanged some you know still some I think there's a little bit less than it used to I think it was John Cotter I'll have to go back and look but he has a list or is accredited for creating a list that um sort of delineates the difference between leadership and management um and it's a little bit like an IO psychology so industrial and organizational psychology um th- there's like a task versus relationship there's a concept of you know task focused stuff um, and it's, it's kind of, I feel like it kind of aligns with that. I think real, I, you know, I'm not an IO psychologist or a real IO psychologist would probably call me on like my gross mischaracterization of that. But, um, but, you know, leadership is kind of a bit more, I think on the relationship side and on um, what often is called soft skills, but I think it's really higher order skills um, versus management is a bit more of a, of a technical, you know, it's an accountability thing. It's an, it's a logic thing. It's a compliance often thing. Um, and, you know, working, you know, getting people to work towards some performance standard type stuff versus leadership is I think a bit more, or can be um, a bit more about inspiring and, you know, motivating and all those sorts of things. All the managers do that too. I'll have to find the list and share it. 
Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up because I think about the the I'm familiar with the the task and and relationship kind of focus. Um, I've seen a few conversations happen around that, and I find it a useful way to think about oh how are we you know who in this room is approaching this from a relationship standpoint, and who's coming from a task standpoint. But one of the things I've learned, um, and I know other people have learned this as well, is those two things work best in conjunction rather than opposition. Right. And in particular, I find that if you can have like a strong foundation of of relationship. Uh, task work becomes a lot easier and a lot faster. Um, I actually had an experience recently where we were sort of doing one of those like team building kinds of exercises and and in groups competing and and the team that I was in, we kind of were not all that focused on accomplishing the task. We were spending just a lot of time getting to know each other and 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 enjoying each other's company. And then when we were sort of like, oh, okay, we got to do this task now, we did it very very quickly and we technically won in air quotes, uh, beating the other teams, because we were able to move a lot faster having that strong relationship in place. And thinking about leadership and management, I'm like, if you have those um, sort of inspiring and motivating, um, those, yeah, getting, you know, aligning, what is it, creating connection, alignment, and, and commitment, um, it, that can make it a lot easier to navigate some of those more um, technical types of issues and things where it's like, well, we got to do this because we, you know, the, the funder needs it, or this is our process that we have to go through. Um, even if it's a little frustrating or boring. Yeah, I know. And I think that's, I'm, I'm more of a task. Like, obviously I do both, right. Cause we aren't, you know, none of us, I think are completely hundred percent anything anymore or ever really. Um, but, but I think earlier I would be much more of a, like a jump in task, task, you know, task. And then over the course of my career, I'm like, you know, nothing is ever going to happen until I like figure out why it's happening and who's in the room, you know, like it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, and I feel like to make a weird connection, I feel like a lot of the evaluation training, at least the evaluation training I'm familiar with, um, like the higher ed to the university, um, level is focused on things like methods, right? So things like tasks mm -hmm. and a lot less, I would say is around sort of relationshipy things. So, you know, facilitation, handling conflict well. Um, mm -hmm. And yet when we get out into the field, I mean, I had this experience coming out of grad school where like I came out with all these great technical skills and then I've spent the last, you know, several years filling in the the gaps of all of the the relational skills that I didn't quite get as strong a grounding in and university is not always the best place to build collaborative <laughs> relational mm -hmm. types of skills and I see I, I think I'm seeing a lot of you know evaluators talking about you know how, how do I what soft skills do I need and how do I get them mm. I think conflict management is a big one being able to work with conflict because conflict is often a very important generative part of a process you kind of need to go through the conflicts productively to get to where you're you're trying to get to and if we just avoid conflict we don't end up where we really want to go but if you if it's scary and if you don't know how to actually have those conflicts um constructively it can derail mm -hmm. the whole project yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was actually just looking this morning. Um, I was working on my credentialed evaluator application and going through some of the competencies that the Canadian Evaluation Society puts out, and they actually have a competency on leadership. And it does mention under that one, it provides leadership to the evaluation project. And one of the subpoints in that is manages conflict when necessary. I'm not sure there's, I've ever been part of any evaluation project where it hasn't been necessary to, to manage conflict at some point, but uh, yeah, so it seems like it is um, something that's at least being recognized at that competency level, whether that then leads to changes in how we teach evaluation is the, is the next question. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, I, so sort of I am in and out of teaching, so I'm not in a university. Um, I have an, a, an affiliation with one. I teach from time to time, and I, so I'm loosely connected to that world and sort of part of some groups that focus on teaching evaluation. I do feel like there's interest in that space, you know, people like Jean King and, and many others, um, she comes to mind though, have sort of raised up, you know, the need for these types of skills for evaluators and therefore the need for these types of um, places who are preparing evaluators to attend to that in, in one way or another. Um, so I think we'll continue to see, but, you know, the university um, 
crowd is not known for moving super fast and it's not them i mean i realize just these big bureaucracies that you know have to shift um and that takes time a lot of time um but i do think yeah i, I do think over time we'll, we'll see more of that on um the evaluate you know the formal evaluation training programs yeah that's what i was i'm thinking some of the like my training wasn't in evaluation it wasn't it was in applied psychology um so you're talking like within another discipline where that's the intention is not necessarily to produce people who are ready to go out and work with clients and work with people so yeah as we see more programs coming through that are are geared more around evaluation specifically i wonder if we'll also see that um broadened reflection on on the skill set that's needed to do evaluation work versus doing research work although i think researchers also benefit from relational skills it's just the uh, the need is is maybe not as um as immediately apparent yeah i mean i, I think typically i mean i could i'm sure we could find some exceptions but typically the evaluator or the evaluation team is there in service of that you know what i mean they're, they're not the decision makers around the programmatic activity they you know um and so i, I feel like evaluation is is really positioned as a as a uh, interdisciplinary thing to you you have to work with other people right you, you have to get the work done but also because you, you often aren't the one calling the shot like hey i'm just going to go evaluate this program because i'm really interested yeah, you might mm-hmm. do that but <laughs> the time, and i good on you for that um but most of the time you know somebody has a need right and you're responding to yeah. it and you have to navigate that mm-hmm. with them um because often how they express, I find, often how that need is expressed is not necessarily um, in the clearest way. And then when you get in and talk to other people, it might not be a shared need mm-hmm. among mm-hmm. people who have a shared responsibility or a shared, you know, they're in something together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, evaluators are often in positions of uh, a lot of influence, but very little authority mm. Yeah, is what I find. You know, we which means that we need those those leadership mm-hmm. skills, um, uh, even if we're not necessarily in traditional leadership mm-hmm. roles. Yeah, we're not leaders in terms of the role we occupy necessarily, but we are based on the position. I think if I got that right. Well, I mean, I think, I think yeah, I mean, I think we're leader. I mean, I think we can be. I think evaluators very much can be leaders and helping group. And in fact, I think that's in some ways really coupled with evaluation and in the sense of leadership as direction alignment commitment right and so like evaluators help figure out like what are, the direction right what are we trying to do here mm-hmm. and alignment how well are the different pieces that need to come together coming together so what's the alignment around that direction how well is that going and then the commitment like how you know is this a priority is everybody's heart really in this are we going to be able to stay that you know do we have a sufficient um commitment to this from the people who need to be committed to, to stay the course to get to wherever it is we're going and so in that way i think you know that's where i see a really strong connection um, between evaluation and and leadership and i think evaluators are starting to get to it and i think leaders sort of are too maybe not using the the evaluation term um but you know the more i look at leadership i'm like if you're going to be a good leader then you need to have the skills to ask good questions to figure out um how to get to directional alignment commitment with groups of people. And a lot of times I think some of that questioning and that inquiry and that curiosity and that ability to take in, to identify what information you need to take it in and make good sense of it um, in different ways is, you know, very much critical for leaders. Right. And, but it's not necessarily something, you know, if you ask people like, what are the core leadership competencies? I doubt very many people would say, Oh, it's, you know, and I don't think they need evaluations, technical skills. Mm -hmm. I think it's more the evaluative thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, you know, I think the technical skills is is great to have, but you don't need those to be a good evaluative thinker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, want to apply that, then some you probably need to either have or or call in somebody with some technical expertise to do the things that you're seeing and help you think it through in a more like applied way. But um, but actually coming up and being curious about things that ah, you don't need, you know, you don't need to be able to code an R for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that skill to sort of know where to bring someone in and to see what the options and opportunities are um, 
versus, you know, being able to, to do the work, which I wonder if, because people often think of evaluation as a technical field, um, like even within our own training, we just talked about how, you know, we get a lot of focus on, on the technical side of things and we're, we're just kind of figuring out the non-technical side of things. Um, although I, I hope that evaluative thinking has also been at least an implicit part of our training as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wonder if that's contributes to evaluation, not being seen as an obvious leadership competency. I think so. And I think that's been our history, right? Of, of, of how evaluation has been practiced. It has been, I think it has been more of a technical, it's been practiced more as a technical thing than as a, um, you know, someone coming in to really help you figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing, you know, to apply a skill set and come up, you know, you come up with, you know, off frequently, um, traditionally, like numbers and if, are things good or bad, you know, are we on track or not, or are they in compliance or not, or whatever, you know, the thing is, and it hasn't necessarily been around the bigger picture of like, what is, what's really going on here? <laughs> like, what information do you, like, what decisions do you need to make? What are you curious about? What do you need to know to make this a good thing? Um, who else needs to be in this conversation? And, and um, how do we encourage that to happen? Um and, and then also in making sense of the data, right? So I think that's the thing. You're, we're brought in um, less so, but you, you, to be to be the expert, right? To do the analysis, to come up with the finding, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, even though there's, there's a lessening on that, certainly in the last couple of decades. But I think there's still this notion of, like you said, the technical expertise, the technical expert that comes in and figures this stuff out. And the reality is, like a lot of it is helping somebody else figure their own stuff out, <laughs> you know? I think if I've had one takeaway from like the last few years of of doing evaluation work, it's that the the technical skills are they have their place and they're helpful. But yeah, I if I'm trying to swoop in as the expert and tell people what things mean, I'm going to be there a lot longer and be a lot less useful than if I'm in there to work with people for to help them figure out what things mean. Yeah, and it just I mean it just feels horrible. I, I just I really don't like the feeling. Of, and in fact, I remember like kind of vividly earlier in my career program manager, I was the internal evaluator. Um, I was trying to set up a time to talk to that person to figure out kind of as the overseer of this body of work, like what they were interested in, what they were, you know, what was supposed to happen with this program, that kind of stuff. Um, And they were like, I don't, you know, I'm super busy. I don't, you know, I don't have time. Just do whatever you need to do for the evaluator. You you just, you, you do it, you know, I support you doing your work. And I'm like, I have, like, if you don't have any need, I don't have any work. You know, because this is not my problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not just going to do some stuff mm-hmm. and hand you a report because that's going to, it's a waste of my time. It's not going to do you any good, you know, and, and it's fine. I mean, if you don't, if you aren't curious about anything, if you don't need any information, that's, that's okay to say that, just say that. Um, But like, I'm, you know, this isn't my program and I want you to be successful, but, you know, in some ways I don't care. Like, <laughs> this is your thing. <laughs> like I'm, I'm walking away from this. Mm-hmm. You know? Like you have to live with this. Like if you, if I'm not, if I can't do something that'd be helpful for you, then yeah, let's just, let's just save everybody mm-hmm. time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I find my caring is a function of how much other people care. If other people care, I care. If other people don't care, it's hard, it's hard to get worked up about it. Mm-hmm. It just makes me wonder though, like when, what circumstances do we as evaluators exercise leadership? Like when should we maybe step up and say like, you know what, if you're hoping to accomplish this or, you know, this is where, you know, we maybe, when do we use our voice and when do we use our our skills, not just for the technical respects, but actual leadership skills? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that we're becoming a lot more aware of as we as the practice is transforming, as we're getting more engaged, I'm thinking also those moments of um, asking questions that that are uncomfortable, asking questions that people might not want to be asked, not just about like, you know, is this working, but also like, who is this working for? Um, How is equity being um, serviced through this work? Mm -hmm. Um, Like bringing up things that, can be quite challenging to talk about. And I mean, we've had debates with an evaluation of like, oh, are we, 
uh, objective or, uh, you know, external independent observers or not, which we're not, we're just not. That's the, that is the official position of this podcast, by the way, is we're not. Well, that's the position, right? I mean, the defensible position, really. Um. Yeah. Um, but we're also not having conversations like where's our role in terms of, of advocacy. And I think that's something that we're, a lot of evaluators are wrestling with, um, like where, where does our responsibility lie when it comes to not just, uh, the people who are in the room, Mm. um, and the people who are our clients, but the people who Mm. aren't in the room. And I think that's, I mean, I think the advocacy piece is hard. The objectivity piece, I'm really clear on, (laughs) like we're not, um, (laughs) Which is no, we can't be like, and and it's not that I don't think that's a great ideal. It just doesn't exist in the world, you know. Like I think unicorns are super fantastic, but yeah, they don't. They're not here. <laughs> You're not riding on. I'm not even sure I'm convinced it's an ideal. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. Um, but um, but in terms of advocacy, I think that that's where you. It's helpful to be super self aware of what you know how you're going to feel about the work you do and what you're contributing to. Um, and you know, the role you're playing in the work, I think is important. Um, and then you can turn up or down the level of advocacy around that. And I think just being transparent about it, right. Just letting people know, this is my, this is how I'm going to do my work. This is, I'm going to, you know, equity is important to me. And I'm going to, you know, if I see things that I think are, uh, questionable, you know, if I are in contrast to, you know, what I is equitable. I'm going to ask questions around that. Or I'm going to, you know, bring up evidence that sort of is counter to that. Mm-hmm. So we can work through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, does this, are these leadership skills? Is that, does this still fall under this umbrella of leadership? That's a big question. I, you know, I, and I think it does if you're working with a group of people, right? around the direct, you know, cause you, you know, I, like we were talking about objective, I don't see evaluators as, I mean, they might just be temporary parts of groups of people or teams, um, but they're still part of a dynamic, right? So they're in, when they're in, when they're doing that work, they're in that space with those people, mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. people. Um, and in that way you are either contributing or getting in the way of the direction alignment commitment of that work. Right. Um, and so then I think that's where you, you can advocate for specific types of direct alignment commitment or you, you know, or, or you can just work with the group around what they're trying to do around that. And I think for me, as I, and I'm thinking of this on the fly on Friday the 13th, <laughs> full moon, no. <laughs> so it makes me a little uncomfortable, but I, I do think that's um, sort of connected to advocacy, right? The degree to which you assert, you know? your ideas around what the directional limit commitment should be or, or the, the degree to which you refrain from it. Yeah. So then that brings up the question then around if, if those are skills whether it's advocacy or just even be able to recognize when it's appropriate to, to engage in that, or how do you bring it up or how do you, um, you know, communicate the best way or, or pre- present your ideas or know who to present them to. How do we teach that to evaluators? We kind of recognize that at least there doesn't seem to be, a lot of education happening around that, or maybe it's a growing area, but how do we kind of get this in front of other evaluators? Is it just me or are the soft skills harder than oh, the yeah. hard skills? <laughs> <laughs> Not just you. Because <laughs> that's a really good question. And I think, um, you know, I mean, I think I've spent, I don't know, looking back on, um, maybe a decade that I've been like consciously invested in understanding and working in a social justice kind of space, um, initially very much sort of outside my actual work and now increasingly bringing those two things together. And I don't know, I like, I feel like this is a, if it's a skill set or if it, or if it's a, a capacity, it's something that I've been trying to build slowly for a really long time. And I still feel very uh, out of my depth a lot of times like it's important to me so I keep working on it but I like I don't know the answers it's so it's so context specific so I don't know if it's something that can necessarily be taught you know in a setting or so much as it something that we could inspire people to commit to learning about in a long-term way I I would agree I don't think it's something in the sense that you like you teach it and then people know it you know 
Um, I, I don't think it's that. And I think that's why it's called leadership development, you know, is it's, it's like a, you develop, it's like this constant development process. Um, over time, but I do think there are certain mindsets and things, you know, frameworks and things like that. And then practicing, you know, having conversations, having difficult conversations or, you know, like it's, when it comes to, you know, specifically something like conflict, right there, you know, there's a lot of content around conflict and, and what, you know, why it exists and, and what you do about it and, you know, approaches to working through mm-hmm. it. Um, and there's certainly a lot of content, you know, cause that's a, you know, conflict, managing conflict and helping people work through conflict is a, a big deal in a lot of places for good reason. Um, so there's a lot out there on that. Um, it would just be contextualizing it specifically for, for the types of conflict people might come into in evaluative roles and giving them some tools to navigate it. And it's still going to feel like crap probably <laughs> most of the time. And you'll, you'll get like people coming at you with stuff. You're like, oh, this, this, this doesn't fall in the framework. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to counter you. Um, you know, cause people are great for that. <laughs> you know, the world is awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Oh, wait a minute. I was, I thought I was, had that right. down and no, I do not. Um, so I, I, so I think coming back to it and just rec- helping people at least even just recognize like, this is something you're going to have to pay attention to like your whole career. It doesn't mean you have like every six months to do something, but you know, um, it's helpful. I think that's why a reflective practice is good, right? To take some time out to think about what's happening, what's challenging to you, like where you need to go dig in a little bit more, get a little more feedback on something to figure out like, how do I, you know, keep upping my game? Because you're not going to, I don't know of anybody that has ever gotten to this space where they're like, no, I'm good. Like I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I understand everything. I feel like I've met a few people who who think that they're yeah, there. No, no, I, I, yeah, people think they're there, but I've never met anyone who. No, yeah, it's not usually <laughs> a good sign. You should take it that as a sign of the opposite. Yeah, no, yeah, I'd like, like take away points for that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, yep. like, you're behind me. I think you are. So I'm just <laughs> guys, guys, I got this. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. So we've been kind of talking about. So we've been talking about like leadership as an evaluation competency and then also um, evaluation as a leadership competency. (laughs) I think I said those in the right order (laughs) and didn't just repeat myself, Um, which actually it it reminds me. So the, you know, we, we had um, Kim and and Billy Joe and and Sophia on a previous episode talking about that, that SFU certificate uh, to think about, you know, evaluation training where the tagline of that course is, um, evaluators as leaders and leaders as evaluators. So I think that's a really interesting, um, when we're talking about the, you know, how do we educate, how do we train evaluators to do this kind of work or to think this kind of way? I feel like that, that course is maybe, uh, at the, at the forefront of exploring what that can look like, um, to offer that kind of opportunity. But I'm also, I'm still thinking about this, like, okay, so that the leadership or evaluation as a leadership competency, like, what does that look like? Like, what do we want to um, offer leaders or what do we hope that leaders, um, like, how, how are they going to learn about evaluation in a way that's not about the technical side of things, but that's about the the evaluation thinking sides of things. And I think in, in the, the SFU course, it's like the idea is that we're all doing it together. You have people who are in that room who are both leaders and evaluators learning the same kind of thing. That would be, I mean, that's ideal, right? Because I think it is, you know, kind of training from both ends so we can be more effective <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. Um, some people play both roles, you know, so there's that overlap too. Um, but I think in terms of the content for leaders and, and the evaluative content for leaders, it's very much some of the things that get brought up when people talk about evaluative thinking. Um, and it over it overlaps a bit with strategic thinking, I think there's a bit, if, if you're doing it from an evaluation perspective, it's a bit more on the, um, you know, gathering and making sense of information in, in service of the strategy. Um, not necessarily that you're going to keep mm-hmm. it, but also to help in part to make sure you're on track with your strategy, but also to shape the strategy, right? To make sure like, is this really what we should be doing? And is this really how we should be doing it? I always think that evaluation and strategy should be very closely linked because how, like, 
strategy should tell you what you're evaluating and evaluating should should tell you what you're strategizing. Like they, they just seem like they should be very closely connected and, and often aren't in ways that are alarming. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> even the two, like there's two totally separate processes that are, you know, right. And there's two separate documents mm-hmm. that come out often. And it's like, this is a nightmare. Yeah. Like this is like creating <laughs> havoc in the world because <laughs> people choose which one they're more into, you know, and it's just disconnected and that you don't get that, um, that efficiency and that support and that clarity, you know, you, you just, it, it just doesn't work to have those two things mm-hmm. operating separately. Am I, I mean, obviously it works for people do it all the time, but it doesn't work well. You know? Yeah. Well, I guess it sometimes falls the idea is that it's the leader who's in the center of this, who's going to be holding all these pieces and, and making the connections in their mind. But that just seems like a lot of work where you could actually do those processes together um, and then it's not reliant on you to remember to connect them because you're leading. It's a lot of work already. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more work when they're not connected. You know what I mean? In some ways, I think thinking about it as two separate things that you create separately and then knit together is part of the problem. Like, I, mean, I think that's people's frustration with mm. and or with strategy, depending on what hat they're wearing. Um <laughs> because they are thought of as, as these separate things and it's, it feels like this big thing. And it's like, it doesn't, you know, if you put it all in the room, maybe it takes you, I'm going to totally make up numbers. Right. Cause that's what we do. Not really. <laughs> uh, but I, mean, I, I, my, I don't have a research project around this to, to back up this claim, but my sense is that it takes you a lot longer and it takes more resources to do it as separately and then trying to knit it together than it would to just do the upfront work. Mm-hmm. So maybe it takes, of taking, you know, I think it takes twice as, I'm going to make this up. It takes like twice as long to do them both separately. And I think it probably like maybe one and a half, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. I, my, I don't, I don't have too much, um, uh, empirical data on it, but um, I know that some community partnerships that I'm working on right now, working with, uh, uh, they're looking at community partnerships in other cities, and these partnerships are like three, five years in, and they're only talking about evaluation now, and they're kind of regretting it, is what I've heard. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm guessing that probably maybe one and a half or two times longer may be optimistic in terms of <laughs> how much longer it takes because they're just realizing now, like, oh, shoot, we should have done this a lot earlier. Yeah. Well, from like a utility standpoint, like the criticism you hear about strategy documents is like, yeah, we created it and it was, you know, pretty and it's out, but we never like checked back in with it. We just sort of assumed it was going to inform what we did and we never, you know, was it good? Was it the right strategy or not? We don't know. And then evaluation, the criticism is we did it and, but it doesn't like connect to the bigger picture or it doesn't help us or it didn't come in a timely way. So it's like, it's not, I mean, there's the time you spend on it, but then there's also, if they're not connected, then they both become sort of two useless products versus connected. They could be very, very useful. There's um, yeah. here in Vancouver, the, the Michael Smith Health Research Foundation, there's a, I can share it in the show notes. There's a blog post from, uh, the, they've got their evaluation person and their strategy person working very closely together. And, and uh, it's Julia Langton and Zena Sharman. They wrote a blog post about how they're, they're blending strategy and evaluation work within that organization mm-hmm. that I think is really cool. And I also noticed that there's a, evaluators out there who also do like strategic planning work and they, they can offer both to their clients. But I don't know how, I don't know if they offer them both at the same time. Like if they actually sort of see those as like deeply interrelated processes or if it's still kind of considered separate. Yeah, I'm I'm actually one consultant who does who does both. Um, but yeah, I think there's only one project where it's kind of really come up, um, um, where I did some strategic planning, and they wanted an introduction to evaluation as part of that, and then that led into a project. I'm wondering if it's just because the the, the focus in evaluation for so long on project based kind of evaluation, instead of mm. you know the more principles focus that we've been talking about uh, that we had Michael Finpadden on to talk about. Um, or just kind of the more general idea that evaluation is seen as like you are evaluating a very narrowly defined slice of what the organization is doing. We don't often talk about like full organization evaluation or we don't talk about, um, you know, how is the organization as a whole contributing or how is the the work of the organization contributing as a whole to, to broader change. It's usually very narrowly focused on did this program achieve what it was supposed to do. Yeah. And I think, I think that's another shift, right. In the field that's coming up is looking at stuff more from the bigger picture level. I mean, I don't think we're there yet, but I see it more often. 
um, looking at a portfolio or a body of work around like a larger frame, a higher level of like, um, what are we trying to do here? And like, how are we trying, like, what are the values with which we're trying to do it? And are we, you know, how, how, how's it going? <laughs> what do we need to know to, you know, to keep getting better at this? Um, who else do we need to kind of be in the conversation with us around this, the, you know, this work, um, and the impact of this work? Because, um, you know, I think pulling things, again, I, I, I just think, I understand that we have to sort of pull things apart to focus sometimes, you know, and to focus on something and a, a program or us, whatever. Um, but without that larger frame, I feel like that those bits and pieces of work just don't, they don't come back together and create the momentum that we need to see the kinds of changes that people get excited about or get scared about, you know, depending on where you are. Um, mm -hmm. um, but, I, and I absolutely like going back, Carolyn, to what you were saying, absolutely. Like it's, it's the worst feeling in the world to come in as the evaluator after stuff is, you know, after there's been all this work around a strategy or something and you're like, start asking questions and you realize like none of this really makes any sense. Like these terms aren't defined. Nobody really knows what this looks like or how to do this. Nobody knows how to know how this is on track. You know what I mean? Or um, versus if you can be, and then I think the other like sort of fallout from that, if you come in late and those things are separated, uh, then those things being strategy and evaluation. Um, it's like you, you're kicking up all these things, right? Cause people are sort of, created this thing together and their hearts into it you know like they're like oh he worked so hard on this and then like you're the one like well <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it is um yeah you're not the stuff you're doing isn't gonna get to that place because you had that conversation and then people didn't really understand what it means in operational terms um, and so they went out with good intention or maybe not but you know we'll say they went out with good intention and did their stuff but their stuff you know like it's it's not going to come back together in a way that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Kind of like come in with a whole other perspective at the end around, you know, success and indicators. And like, none of that was talked about before. Mm -hmm. And so of course you're not going to hit these indicators that nobody knew about until right now, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Or conversely, you might find, okay, we've come in to evaluate this one program and hey, it's it's doing really great. Actually, it's it's doing exactly what we hoped it was, but oh, it doesn't actually align with the overall strategic vision of the organization. So it gets cut. Yeah. Um, even though it's doing well. Like it's just, you know, if you're if you're within an organization, that's why strategy is important. It's not just a fancy document that's supposed to sit in a folder somewhere. It's supposed to to help it I mean, it's a leadership document. It's supposed to help with connection, alignment, and commitment. <laughs> um, to what an organization is about. And yeah, I think also like just having those things be live, you know, just recognizing that the world we live in and have always lived in really, but um, that the world we live in is dynamic, right? So it's silly to set a strategy and, you know, lock it in stone and not be open to any sort of input around it. It's also silly probably to be open to all kinds of input and just, you know, but you know, obviously that's a contextual call to figure out how much, you know, where to lock in parameters and where to be like, yeah. oh, you know, we don't really know about this. We're open. Yeah. Finding that balance. Well, maybe you find out, Hey, we have this program. That's kind of not what we, you, we thought we were going to focus on, but wow, it's actually doing really well. Maybe there's more to this area that we uh, realized and we can, we can adapt our strategy around that. This idea that you're sort of, when you do a strategy that it has to be locked into, you know, whatever your five-year or your 10-year plan is, instead of being able to have a sense of like, this is what's really important to us. And as opportunities come up that maybe we didn't predict or expect, we can think about, hey, you know, given what's important to us, does this, can we have something like this align with our our priorities or not? Or do we want to shift things? It's part, it becomes part of that conversation. And evaluation is such a um, a powerful part of that. <clears throat> because, you know, I've, I've, been in scenarios where we've got people saying like, well, we know what we're trying to do and we're trying all these different things and we just don't know how to make decisions about, you know, what to keep pursuing or, or where to make these decisions or where to cut things off or things like that. It's like, well, what, I mean, let's get some data. Let's find out what's happening and, and see what that means to you and give you something, a platform from which to make a decision. I don't think the evaluation say, should say what the decision ought to be. I'm not a fan of like, you know, the data will tell you what to do. No, you'll decide what to do. 
but it can be easier when you have some some data, useful data to be part of that decision making process. And I think it, like the other thing that evaluators tend to do better, I'll just go and say, um, <laughs> hedge it a little bit, but not, no, I'm not going to hedge it, um, is like coming up with kind of criteria, right? Around like decision-making. And it's not that you have to like, like you were saying, you don't have to like make it super restrictive, but like identify like what's important to us. Like when we make a decision, what are we going to, what are we going to pay attention to? And figure out, you know, where do we have information to make a good decision now? Where are there gaps? Um, you know, because there might be, you know, or do we keep doing something just because we're good at it, even if it doesn't really matter to us? Do we keep doing something because we've always done it, even if nobody currently on staff has, you know, <laughs> a deep, you know, a deep, you know, a deep commitment or a deep expertise or talent, you know, in this area, you know, is, is in. You know, those aren't questions an evaluator on is can answer, right? But the evaluator could help you kind of figure out. Uh, I think also too, just um, um, being able to define or even just think about like what is the ultimate outcome. Like when we're talking strategic planning, it's it's your vision statement for the organization. What if your organization does everything right? It's you know what will we see accomplished in our community or for our clients? In evaluation terms, it's what's at the far end of your logic model or program theory or outcome chain. And I've used that metaphor before in, in some strategic planning sessions and sometimes it's gone over well. And sometimes people ask what's the logic model, but um, kind of just the general idea of if all of our activities, what are they, what are they summing up or, or multiplying up to, to achieve? And I think we as evaluators, we kind of think about that. Like if you're doing this program or if you're providing this service or that support, you know, what is that actually, what are the longer term outcomes that that chains up to? But um, if you're in the mindset of just, you know, deliver the program and the program or the activity is is doing good for people. So therefore it must be, must be good. And it's kind of own, in its own right, it's kind of tautological little circle there. But uh, I think we're, we're used to thinking about like, okay, but then what does that mean if we are able to accomplish this? Mm-hmm. I like to think that what evaluation does is help us be really intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That when we're making our decisions, when we're figuring things out, even if if we don't know 100%, it's not about, for me, it's never about proof. Like it's never about prove this works or not. It's about, you know, what's the evidence there? What 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 can we learn about this? But so that when we're, ma- we're making a decision, we're doing that on the basis of a rationale of this is the best information we have right now. This is the best decision we can make right now with what we've got to go on and we're choosing to make that decision rather than just reacting and responding or, or having unspoken assumptions or, you know, solely, you know, politically uh, short-term minded yeah. kinds of decisions. I think so Brian, you know, to the, the idea of like, um, I want to add on to the idea of like, you know, working towards certain outcomes, like what's the, what's the, at the far right often, not always what's at the far right of the model, like where we're really trying to get to. And I think another piece that we see more in evaluations um, and evaluation theory work is like, and how, like, and by what values or principles, as using another term, um, are we going to get there? Right. Cause does it, you know, it's, I think more looking at the ends and the means now than just the ends. And right. I think that's, re- I find that really exciting. Um you know, might not hear it in my voice because it's late in the day where I am, but, um, but I am. Um, and just, you know, and reincorporating, and I see, I see a big thing of that as values, which is obviously at the heart of the word evaluation. Um, it's not just the value created, but it's also the values by which we decide what's valuable and the values by which we get there. Um, and trying to be intentional, you know, kind of like you were saying, trying to be intentional in our application of those and being open to feedback around, say, um, Hey, you know, the equity is on your thing. And, but this, I saw this happen, <laughs> mm. you know, that, that doesn't, that doesn't seem to work. And that's a difficult conversation. I, but I think it's one that's very much needed because I think we're all not us all. I shouldn't say we all, cause I live in a place where that's clearly not the case. Um, many people <laughs> are trying to do a better job of understanding different perspective and being more inclusive and, um, I'm trying to think, just be more equitable and what they, you know, and how they show up in the world. And to do that, you have to be open to hearing when you aren't. Um, that's not what you, I mean, I don't like to hear that, but I can 100% guarantee that I need to hear it sometimes 
and I'm better for it when I hear it. Um, even though I may have just done a feel good moment and as individuals, there's organizations, as fields, as anything, it's, you know, these aren't always feel good moments, which I think is another thing to help evaluators prepare for. It's not only those conflicts with other people, it's also preparing yourself to get through those moments where, you know, you've got to work through your own stuff to, to do a better job. Um, and how are you going to, uh, yeah, are you going to be open to that and how, you know, what are ways you can get that information? Um, especially if you're an evaluator, that's like, I'm independent. You guys are, are, are you guys both are independent um, evaluators as well. And so, you know, you're not, we're not necessarily, I mean, some of us are, you guys, and I, I am, I guess you guys are probably too. We're not always with the same people all the time. Right. So we don't always have that open relationship. Um, so how do you kind of craft that and get that feedback, craft those relationships and get that feedback um, to heighten your self-awareness? I felt like I was super rambling, but <laughs> I, hopefully it I feel sense. like that's such a beautiful way to to sum up all the different things that we've we've been talking about this episode. I feel like you sort of wove everything together really nicely there. Mm-hmm. Um, are there do we ha- do we have any final thoughts that we want to offer on evaluation and leadership? I think for me, just uh, the one point that was raised earlier around you know we're never going to we're not going to be able to get there and say, okay, we're trained up as a leader check. You know, we're not going to be, there's always going to be some new context. There's going to be some, uh, like you just said, Kelly, just um, areas that, you know, we realize, Oh wait, you know, I, I totally didn't handle this the way that I would have wanted to handle it. Um, there's room for me to grow and learn here. So I think it's a, I think it's a continuing uh, leadership development journey. Agreed. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I mean, I think I will say one, one more thing. <laughs> Because um, I think it's helpful and I'd like more people to be on this journey with me. Um, it's recognizing that we don't necessarily get handed a task and we need to go do that task. Right. So I think there's more, we have more room as evaluators in some cases, probably more cases than we realize to reconceptualize the task, right. To push back on things mm-hmm. a little bit and say, you know, Hey, I don't think this makes sense in this way. Oh, hey, I think we need to pay these people for their time. Right. <laughs> because, you know, you're paying me for my time and my expertise. And, you know, it doesn't feel good for me to get this paycheck around this work. And these other folks are giving up their time and their expertise. And they're not getting, you know, like, that that doesn't make sense to me. Can we change that? Um, and so I think that's another place um, where evaluators can sort of exhibit some some leadership. Um, hmm. And not, you know, not takes take a take a bit more space in those conversations where, where it makes sense. And I realize that can lose some people their job and they're not in a position to lose their job. So I, I want to just acknowledge that I appreciate that um, same point as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the most powerful gifts that evaluation uh, brings in general is the power to um, question the premise. Because the premise always is, is, oh, our program works. Or we're doing what, what, we we need to be doing and like sort of our our profession is founded on having to ask the question of like okay let's find out if that's true so we're already in a position where we are um empowered to question premises um again it, dep- it very much depends on someone not not everyone is in a position um with with that much uh potential depending on how it's been structured but i think there's a a unique aspect to evaluation and, and what it is that maybe not unique. It's, I think it's probably shared by some other professions as well, but where it, it can make sense for us to ask those questions in ways that it's harder for other people to ask those questions based on their position. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're kind of, we're there to ask questions so we can ask a lot of questions. That's um, not, not everyone necessarily can in the same situation. I think that's particularly true because we're kind of all, external evaluators. I think it's particularly true um, for external evaluators and for independent contractors, right? Because we hopefully we have our business isn't completely dependent on that thing. You know, like we can take some risk. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, like maybe we lose that contract and maybe we've, you know, have our portfolio of work such that we can lose that. And, you know, and that not everyone's in that position, but for those who are, um, I mean, that's the role you can take up as being the person who can take the hit because you know, it's not where you're, for the United States, it's not where you're getting your health insurance mm-hmm. or you're mm-hmm. like, you're making 
your main salary because those are hard things to get outside of those systems often. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I've definitely worked with clients who they, they wanted to work with me because they wanted me to ask questions. They wanted me to ask questions that they weren't asking or that they weren't hearing when they were asking from themselves. So people can even be welcome, more welcoming of, of it than we realize. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us to talk about this. That's it for this episode of Eval Cafe. Thank you to all our listeners. Please check out the rest of our episodes on Pinecast, iTunes, or Google Play, or by going through our website, evalcafe.wordpress.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at evalcafe. And if you want to drop us a line, you can find us at evalcafe.podcast at gmail.com. Musical credits go to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for poppers and prosecco or intro theme, and dispersion relation or outro as well as to Tim at tabletopaudio.com for the lively cafe ambiance in our intro.